Hey, my Travel Wins podcast. I'm lucky to have Jules today of the Jules and Christine duo. How are you today, Jules? I'm great, thanks, Pete. Great to uh, connect with you and looking forward to the chat. Yeah, it's been it's been great trying to. I always tell people I love my, my, my podcast, but the negative is my, the people I'm trying to interview are always traveling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? definitely. It makes it difficult with the time zones, especially. We, we find ourselves, you know, it's great when we're in the US, but then when we're on the other side of the world in Bali, getting up at 2 a.m. to talk to people, which makes it hard. <laughs> yeah, I did. That. I had that with a, 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 I forget where he was at. I think it was, he was in Bali, then he was going to Nepal. You know, we're, we're trying to figure out what what day and what time and everything, you know what I mean? Yeah, and then and then the person's traveling as well, so you finally figure out a time in, in Bali and then, then suddenly they're in Rome. It's like, oh, sorry, my time zone changed again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So what exactly, you, you, I consider you guys travel bloggers, but how, yeah. how do you dis- define or describe what you guys do? Yeah, so I guess, it, I guess that in itself has evolved over the years. Essentially, sure. we started as travel bloggers, and I guess, that's where we really are at, at sort of the root of our business. But over the years, it's evolved into more of travel media. Um, the term influencer wasn't around back when we started six years ago, and it's yeah. a lot more prevalent now. We've never really felt super comfortable with that term. Uh, content creators, marketing, sort of your general travel media, online promotion and content creation. But yeah, travel travel bloggers at heart, definitely. So what... what I, I, I guess I'm trying to figure out for a job. What I mean, what do you do to to create income? I guess. So as as travel bloggers, we we run a travel website called Don't Forget to Move. dot com, and this started about six years ago as a hobby, uh, but with an idea of that it's you know it is possible to make money online, and it wasn't as well documented with courses and and things like that as it is now. Yeah. But we did know that it was possible to make money through partnerships, through affiliate marketing, through online sales, through different things like that. Yep. So, And the social media game was also very different back then. Instagram and YouTube weren't as big as they were now. You didn't have Snapchat. You didn't have all these other platforms. But back in the day, when you were travel blogging, you were creating content with the idea of people visiting your site. Uh, you would have... There was ad revenue opportunities. There was also affiliate marketing opportunities through commissions and through links. Um, and then also working with, with brands or destinations. And so that's how it started for us, creating that. And then over the years, as we learned more about the industry and more about how to monetize it, it's just steadily grown and grown to what's now our full-time job, both my partner and I, Christine. It's allowed us yep. to travel all around the world for work and for leisure. So it's been good. I mean, that's awesome. I- I, I, I try to think back to when I was in my 20s. If you would have told me, hey, in 30 years, people are going to be able to get paid for traveling around the world without <laughs> having, you know, the connections. I mean, I guess you could have done of your Jacques Cousteau. And then, you know, that. I mean, to me, that was that was the travel. And it's just, like, amazing to me that people are doing it. And so it's awesome. I think it's awesome. Yeah, well, I guess traditionally it started with journalism and, and things like yeah. that. So people traveling around covering different locations and then you have some of the the old school the original people like rick stein and and people like that um or rick steves i think there's two of them they yeah, always, rick steves. Yeah, yeah. yeah i think rick stein's the cooking guy always gonna mix up uh, <laughs> but you have so you have people like that that who started it and then you know people in the travel industry traveling for journalism and then i guess with the pre- proliferation of the internet and the opportunities there creating your own website and, and doing it yourself became a thing 
travel blogging probably has its roots back in maybe 2010, 2008, sort of around that time. Yeah. We like to think of ourselves as second generation bloggers. We, we missed the early adopters, all those people who got in right at the start, but we got in at a pretty good time before it became very saturated, uh, especially with Instagram and, and social media. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty good opportunity. It's given us a lot of crazy stories around the world. It's given us a lot of opportunity to travel all around the world over the last five, six years. You know, and, but but it does work. I mean, you know, as I Definitely found work. out, if if I would have, when I listened to podcasts before I created Mo, and I was like, oh, they just sat down, they just record it, boom, goes out, done. But creating yeah. content is work. Oh, absolutely. And And I guess for us being in travel content, I mean, people do, we always from our friends and from our family and people like, Oh, that's a tough job. Ha ha. You know, we get the ribs from that. And it does, I'm not going to sit here and lie. It does have its benefits. Like there are some times where we find ourselves working, you know, going on a a paid work trip to the Maldives for 10 days, having to create content. That's when you sort of kick back and go, yeah, okay, this is a pretty good job. Yeah. It doesn't Uh, suck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't suck. But in the same sense, people where our job is to portray the best of the best. So, you know, we're not going to show people, the times where we sat down for a week in our sweats and didn't leave the house because we were hunched over our computers working on content. Yeah, you know? exactly. so so there is there is a an ebb and flow to it. We do have to show, you know, our goal is to show the best content that we can to make that pretty. But there's there's a creative process behind, you know, creating that content behind promoting it that you don't see, which is all the back end and the hard work. Yeah. And as you know from the podcast, you know, like even that takes a lot of work. We just Ourself having just started a podcast in the last month, having a lot of fun with it, uh, but also realizing just to keep it's just another thing that we've got to be creative with and got to keep promoting and yeah, yeah. Because like I started the podcast and all of a sudden I'm like, and then people are like, oh, what's your website? And they're like, oh, I don't have a website. Oh, you you need to have a website. I'm like, oh my god. So guess what? I had to learn how to make a website. <laughs> yeah. What's your social like, media? Oh, okay. Got to work out how to do social media marketing. Got to work out this. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, my, it's all connected. Like, I thought you were just going to talk to people. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, Thank oh, you. No, I, I am, but it's, it's been, it's been fun. I mean, I love learning new stuff and, and I think, you know, the, the phone as, as a, as a, as a tool is the future. Yeah. I mean, the, the internet's not going anywhere. No, absolutely not. You know, when, when what are the biggest struggles you find when, when you're traveling? You know, I, I, you've been everywhere. I mean, like I was going to say, oh, where have you been? It's like the Maldives, the, the Bali, Indonesia, uh, all throughout the, the States. Where, where else have you? I mean, you've been Europe. You've been everywhere, right? Pretty yeah, much. well, done, done all of Central America and Mexico, most yeah. of South America, quite a lot of Europe, like East and West. Uh, a lot of Southeast Asia, Australia. Haven't done. Christine's been to Morocco. That's the only, the only sort of. Uh, we've been planning a big Africa trip. Okay. It just hasn't been fitting into our. But we've always held back on Africa because there's just so many amazing places to see, and it's such a big continent that yeah. we we want to get to as many countries as we can and turn it into a big trip. So we've been holding back on that. Maybe next year. Um, but other than that, we've been every other. Every other spot around the world, it's been good. What have been the, the 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 difficulties with that? I mean, obviously now I think you know booking flights and booking hotels or or, or just having a phone in general is just a huge advantage. But where are the difficulties? 
for travel personally or for organizing yeah, yeah. travel or for well, I for, think yeah. for us I think for us it's finding the balance between like work travel and personal travel and it's like finding time to enjoy the places not just see them like as content creation opportunities or things like that that's probably like a personal challenge yeah and then other, and other than that probably just thinking about like I don't know our workflow and and also like our timing and and sort of giving ourselves some proper rest because we tend to burn ourselves out a little bit because we're always on the go. And again, that's the that's the stuff I I don't think people would understand that, that don't travel. You know, I mean, like if I'm gone for two weeks in Las Vegas, everyone's like, "Oh my God, you're so lucky." And I'm yeah. like, "Hold on, I'm working 17 straight days, 10 12-hour days, no days off." You know, because I worked there for the rodeo, and it's like everyone's like, "Oh, you're so lucky." I'm like, oh, do you really want to stay in a hotel for 17 days in Vegas? Yeah, I think like when you, I mean, you you would understand, especially like when you're away from home for a long time as well. It's it's different. You don't have your home comforts, and you and your your schedule changes every day, and then yeah. and exhausting. And you come back at the end of the day, and after a day of work, and then you want to relax, and you've got to do other work, and the days <laughs> yeah. just blend into each other. We were just we we've we've had a bit of time off in the last uh, couple of months as we've been more stationary based around the Bay area in, in California, but we just went on a trip last week and we forgot, almost forgot how exhausting it was spending the day walking around doing content creation and sort of organizing things like that. And then at night coming back and having to edit photos, edit video, write notes, do this, do that. And just falling asleep on the laptop at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> Been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. I know because that's the balance. I think the other thing I've found is a lot of people do multiple things. You know, instead of saying, I'm going to go to Africa next year. I mean, you've got your website, you've got different, you know, like you said, affiliates, you've got different income streams. You have to always be kind of looking out for it's, it's, it's work. I mean, it's a job. Yeah. We, I think we, and Christine would definitely agree with me. We definitely, suffer from the shiny object syndrome in the sense that <laughs> we're always, you know, looking for the new the thing. I wouldn't say that necessarily our follow through uh, isn't there because we have started a lot of these things and then eventually they sort of fizzle out, which, are, which is part of being an entrepreneur, you know, sure. taking, the, taking the chances to go after something, but then also realizing when it doesn't work out. And also more so than that, but also having the ability to, to, to acknowledge that it's failed and to let it go. Cause I think yeah. that a lot of people in the online space and the entre- entrepreneur space, they feel they've put so much time and effort into something and they can't let it go. And sometimes that's actually what's holding them back. So yeah, we, we do pick up a lot of tasks and that is hard for us to juggle at times. And, you know, we just started the podcast, but that's been going great. It's, it's called not so bon voyage. I'll give it a little yeah, plug. Cool. Um, it's been it's been really fun. We've had some really good fun with that. Some good responses in the last four weeks since we launched, and we've got an e-commerce store coming up, uh, opening in the next two weeks, which is going to be which is going to be good as well. Uh, a little pay a little homage to my native Australians in in the US. There you go. Uh, with that, and then yeah, just just other things like that. But so it's it's hard to balance. I guess the the, the things I think about because I travel so much, I'm always thinking about the, the actual logistics behind it. So what, when you're in the Maldives, are you on a satellite Wi-Fi or, I mean, how are you getting connection? Is it, have, have you ever been to where you didn't have internet connection and you just had to wait till you did and then upload everything? 
Yeah, yeah, it's becoming less frequent, yeah. which is a little bit. It's a little bit sad. Um, I remember traveling. So I guess I first started traveling 2016 when I was 21. So it goes back a little bit now. And that was such a different era. My first trip was Thailand, which even still back then is a very, a very well-trodden tourist area. But now it's even more so. And I still remember there was no smartphones. I didn't have yeah. access to Wi-Fi. I went to internet cafes to jump on my Hotmail and send my mum an email <laughs> to tell her I was okay. Yeah. And then these days you can just cruise around. Like, I mean, we need connectivity more than ever these days, especially for our work. So if we're going to be in a country for a long time, for instance, when we're in Bali in Indonesia, we just go on the first day we're there and get a local SIM and then we're always connected. I so the difference is so, so vast now. But there have been trips where we haven't. I was in Guyana last year, which was probably one of the most amazing trips that I've had in a long time. And we were out in the wilderness for seven days without any connectivity. They did have, they did partner with a local satellite company to provide us with Wi-Fi, but it was, <laughs> it wasn't very yeah. successful. And I think it was more of just a token gesture. It didn't work. And we all just decided on day one, <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. We're just going to spend the next seven days uh, creating content and having some fun and it was it was really it was actually really great to to be on a trip like that because it really took me back to the days before before the such intensified connectivity and people sort of stuck to their phone and and I understand it's also a necessity now and we we rely on it heavily for for our business and our travel but it is also nice to get a bit of a detox from it. See, I'm I, man, I could not agree with you more, and it's 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 weird. I remember um, my wife was I had to fly to Denver for work. And I was I was charging up my phone uh, before I got the extra battery. So I was charging it up, and I wanted to make sure I maxed it out. And I got out, and she dropped me off, and I left the phone in, in the car. Oh, no. And so it was like, I mean, I don't know if it was the last time you took a trip without a phone, without a you know I mean? I don't know. I don't think we do. <laughs> you know what I mean? So all of a sudden, I'm like, shit, what do I do? So I'm, I'm, I'm at the I, – I call. I find somebody at the inside the airport. And I'm like, hey, um, can I borrow your phone? I need to call my wife. I don't, she's already home. So I'm like, okay. Um, you know, I get to Denver. Well, I'm supposed to call the air, the uh, um, hotel for the shuttle. Well, the phone, that phone number is in my phone. <laughs> oh, nice. So now I'm calling, looking around Denver Airport for a pay phone. So then you think, oh, let me Google it. Oh, wait, that's right. It's my I phone. I can't Google it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I had to use a pay phone. Which I found, and you know, called zero, called for the operator, and and re- remembered the name of the hotel, thankfully, and where it was located. Well, yeah, I wouldn't even know how to, I wouldn't even know how to do that. <laughs> to it's find, crazy. Find, get through to an operator. Yeah, I think it's even hard to find a payphone these days. I can't even think of it. Everybody, I told that story too because I was for my company work, and they're like, "There's payphones at Denver Airport." <laughs> I'm like, yeah. "Yeah, you walk by them every of... time you go there, but you don't look for them anymore." Oh, it's like a prehistoric relic. Well, hey, I, I, that, let's see. About twenty years ago, when that when we had pagers, we thought we were the bomb. Except for if you're an outside sales rep, you know, you get a page that says "Call me." It's like so now I got to stop, get off the freeway, go to a gas station or or whatever, find a payphone, call, call, get your your calling card number so it won't charge you too much. <laughs> then you call and they go, "Oh, we figured it out. Don't worry about it." <laughs> yeah, couldn't, you, couldn't, you, couldn't you page me to tell me that <laughs> <laughs> no they couldn't <laughs> oh we forgot 
So like, yeah, you know, yeah. we had codes for how important it was. You know, wow, that's, so that would have been crazy. Yeah, and that and that was advanced technology, just having a pager. You know, because before you just have to wait till you got there and then call and see if anything happened while you were gone. It must just make things so much easier. It must be so interesting having gone through those different stages to see how much easier it is now. Just get shot a quick message or an email with everything that you need to know. It can be reachable at any time. It, it must make things a lot easier. Well, yeah, and I remember, you know, just getting a fax machine was a holy shit moment in your life because everything before you had to make copies of, and, you know, and, and copies weren't cheap, so you'd have to go to a Kinko's make copies, and then mail, actually mail out your order forms. And then if they had a question, they would call you back, but it would be, you know, four or five days later. Now it's instantaneous. I mean, now I have customers that email my, my warehouse in Denver directly, and they just say, oh, it's it's just automatic. It, it's yeah. good and bad because now I'm getting emails on weekends. <laughs> well, that, that is interesting. I mean, that you make a really good point there because – it is with with the increased connectivity and the, and definitely the way it's made our life easier. It also means though that we we can always be on, and I think that's what right. a lot of people struggle with in this current stage. This technological sort of business working area is that you can always be on and it's hard to disconnect. And you know we we've found you know we we can feel when that's building up too much, and then when we finally take a break, we're like, wow, we we really needed to just step away from that for a while and you know go on a digital detox. It, it seems like, I remember when I first heard that term, it seemed like such a corny kind of idea, that the idea of taking a digital detox, but it's so true. We've, we've taken a few over the last, we, this year, I guess our probably biggest one was we went to, we got a Burning Man, and yeah. we were at Burning Man this year, 10 days, not not even a phone in my pocket, let alone being able to connect. And I tell you, that is a, that is a very refreshing feeling. Well, it, it's interesting. You know, even like Burning Man, um, I have a friend, that went to what, some of the original ones, yeah, and, wow. and he he doesn't he doesn't go anymore because for him it's too commercialized because yeah you know what I mean so it's it's just weird it's like but the, the young people go and they're like oh my god this is great this is so cool and you're just trading bartering and he's like no it's a, it's commercialized you know yeah it's, well that's that's a that's I mean that's a that's a psychological sentiment as well. Like that, it was yeah. always better in your own era. <laughs> that's that's the kind of ongoing joke with Burning well, Man as well. That people are, every everybody's got their their era that they were more happy with, and that it's changed. And I'm sure, I'm sure even myself will look back in years to come and go, oh, it was better the first time we went. But <laughs> yeah, and, and because you're in a different place, you'll be in a different place in ten years when if you go back to Burning Man than where you're at now. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's like, yeah, that's life in general. I mean, I, I can say the same thing as, you know, from my first, I mean, Thailand's a place that I've been to with its close proximity to Australia and, and also just being an amazing country. It's a place I've gone to a lot over the years. And, you know, every time you go back to a place and it's changed a little bit, you always have that feeling of nostalgia for, for what it was, the times that were. And, you know, that's just, I guess that's a human, that's just a sort of natural human thing feeling but you know even in the last few years using Bali as our home base and every time we go there and seeing the amount of development that happens even within a 12-month period you kind of you always look back on the first times you were there when it was simpler and think oh you know it used to be better but I guess that's life yeah and same way in California you know I mean yeah everyone's like I mean 
it's, it's weird to think, you know, California has more population than the country of Canada. Yeah. It's got more you population know. than, way more than uh, Australia. Australia, yeah. And so, it, I, but, I, you know, 30 years ago, I remember, you know, it was, population was just a little over half of what it is now. And people complained about it being busy back then. Yeah. You know, people still complained about traffic. They still complained about everything and this and that. The, the smog was horrifically bad back then. I mean, the EPA was just still getting going, and they weren't – I mean, the smog was a real thing. Like, when I played football in high school, we would throw up from inhaling all the smog in the summertime. Oof. And Man. now I can see the mountains, you know. So there's a lot more cars on the road now. There's, there's twice as many cars, and yet the, the air is cleaner because of the, the regulations that they put into the gas and the, 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 yeah. um, the vapor uh, intake back. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, like I said, the EPA just started in the 70s, and they were still getting going in the 80s, and now they're pretty much in full swing. And yeah. still, they can still do, but that's why I always say, I always tell people, go, I don't care who the president is, manufacturing is not coming back to the United States. The only way it's going to come back is if they get rid of the EPA. Yeah, I just or, think that. Yeah, or add the just... EPA to India, China, Bangladesh, Cambodia, Vietnam. Because they don't have the EPA over there. Yeah, well, I think also the thing is manufacturing costs as well. It's just so, it's just too enticing for companies to get this stuff produced outside of the US. It's labor. I mean, yeah, like like the company I work for, we won't make stuff in Bangladesh because so we'll make stuff in India and we'll make stuff in China, but we don't like the way they treat their employees in Bangladesh more so than the other countries because it's like a quarter an hour there. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's that's good to hear. As as So with our travel blog, a lot of our focus is on adventure travel, but it's also a lot of our focus has been on sustainability and responsible tourism. And, and we actually, Christian and I both have a background in international development. So it's always good to, to, to hear of companies that are taking, are being responsible, at least for fair labor. And, well, you, you know, and, and you try, it, it, it's a, it's a and, I, and I'm not at that level, but Obviously, all my I've known my bosses for a decade now. Um, some of them I've known longer, but you know, it, it's you want to make as much money as you can for the employees that work for you day in day out. And everyone, everyone at the office is saying, "Hey, I need a raise! I need a raise! I need a raise!" So you either have to increase sales or you have to increase your profit and lower your your, your cost. No way to do that would be to go to like Bangladesh or like that. It really yeah you, you know? yeah I guess it's all just a balance between you know, trying to hopefully be as ethical as you can, but also trying to find the balance that works for you. But yeah, I guess a lot of companies come up against that challenge. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, if we could build stuff here, and I, I, but it gets so crazy. If you want to make a pair of boots in Mexico, right, and it, but you do everything except for attach the sole of the boot to the actual boot, and you keep those two parts com- separate, have everything made in Mexico, ship it here into into the States. So on the sole, you can now say it's been made in the United States. Oh, really? So every component there was actually made in Mexico, but because you didn't make, if it, if it doesn't have the sole, it's not a boot. So you can, it wasn't made. So once you've sewn this, just the sole onto the bottom of everything else, the shaft and the, and the vamp, you could technically say it's made in the U.S. 
Huh, that's interesting. That's like that's like Apple products designed in California, made in yeah. China. <laughs> well, I was going to say, we, uh, my, my boss asked me, he said, hey, do you think we'd sell more shirts if we could say it was made in the U.S.? I said, yeah. I mean, I go, but how are you going to do that? He goes, the, 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 um, the stitch from your hip all the way up to your armpit, if they don't stitch that together over in China and they could ship, they could make everything else, the collar, the, the, the cuffs, the buttons, the plackets, everything else, just that one, those two stitches on the sides of your shirt, they ship it over to the States. We take it to a, a, a shop, they zip it up, it's made in the U.S. Well, wow, that's interesting. But then it's not really, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're just cheating your customers, and if you get, if you get found out, then you're then you're double bad because now you're not making it in the U.S. and you tried trying to be safe. Yeah, yeah. But that's there are companies that do that. Yeah, oh, I bet I bet there are. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's yeah, yeah. I, I, that's one thing I really liked about your your website, your videos is about sustainability and and being eco friendly and. It's a it's a good twist on it. Not just saying, "Hey, come visit," you know, Medellin, Colombia, or you know, Bell's Beach, or Spain, or wherever. It's- yeah, that's been a that's been a focus on ours. So, Christine and I, our story goes back to Peru, 2012, where we actually met working for a nonprofit in disaster relief. And Christine has a background working in nonprofits in San Francisco. I used to be a high school teacher, and we've been both been involved in giving back projects over the years and. So when we created our blog, we wanted to make sure uh, we, we were always traveling with that intent in mind of being able to give back where we can or to help out or at least to be more conscious of our, our own footprint when we visited these countries. And and so when we started the blog, that's what we wanted to make sure we focused on is, is sustainability and, and making sure that we could provide a resource to travelers that help yeah. them educate, uh, educate them about sustainability and, and how to, you know, how to have ethical interactions with animals while you're traveling. So, you know, even simple things like explaining to white people why you shouldn't ride elephants and why you shouldn't go to a tiger petting zoo and, and things like that. And and certain parts of the world are more, I guess, more notorious than others yeah. for those sorts of activities. But yeah, just trying to basically educate people about that, offer, not, and not just do it in a in a cynical way, but offer alternatives and things that people can do to get authentic experiences that don't impact the local environment or the local animals or the local people. And that's you're right. I mean, there there are still, I guess, you can still ride elephants here in the U.S. in some areas, in some zoos, and all that. At least I think so. Uh, but, I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure. I'd imagine the U.S. is pretty is pretty pretty would be pretty tight on that. I feel like. Yeah, so stuff would get right. shut down pretty. Uh, but I mean, there are still things. There are still examples of. I mean, I, I don't want to want to get into it too much. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's a big conversation. But even and there's a lot of negative conversations about even visiting SeaWorld and and the way that marine life is is treated. And and you know, the, while the US does have better standards compared to some other places, uh, maybe within the global south or the, the developing world, the you know, I guess any any interaction with an with a, not just an elephant, but in an animal outside yeah. of its natural habitat is always going to be questionable. Uh, you, you know, it, obviously the the big movie that that came out was Black, uh, Blackfish. Yes. 
And it, my, my wife and I watched that movie, and she's like, it's not going to make a difference. I mean, those companies are so big. But yet I go, look, it, it, that, comp, that, that one film doesn't need to make all the difference in the world. It needs to start a chain of differences. Absolutely. And, and, and look, it did, you know. And I, I think it really has changed people's perceptions of what they what what happens there and with you know with the the killer whales and the orcas and yeah well then, as you said it gets a, it gets people it gets the conversation started it puts it into people's mind and it gives them a reference point to start off with because for a lot of people yeah. it's not and that's what we really try and focus on with our blog as well it's not about shaming people or about making them feel bad about the choices they made but rather so educating them because a lot of people don't understand the complexities of of what it means for an elephant. If it's if it's domesticated essentially and it's been it can be ridden, the process that has to occur for that to happen is is terribly brutal for the elephant and 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 also like the the health effects of everybody thinks oh an elephant you know yeah it's a big strong creature but you know there's actually a lot of science behind the fact that their backs aren't very aren't very supportive of that weight for heavy chairs and people and and also just the fact that you've got an elephant working for tourist enjoyment you know, that's yeah. chained up most of the day. So, you know, it's it's about educating, but it's also about trying to offer people some alternatives, let them let them understand the reason behind it. Because uh, I think that that's the, that's the most effective way to, to help get through to people is to provide them with some, some answers and some solutions rather than making them feel like they need to defend their actions. Yeah, and see, I feel the same way, like with food. You know, like I... I a couple of years ago, I started watching more documentaries about food uh, production and, and and then obviously the consumption of different foods. But I don't I don't try and force it down other people's throat. If they ask me why I'm eating what I'm eating or how I'm doing it, I'll tell them. Yeah. But I don't go, yeah. oh, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that's the reason that people have a problem with those extremist views in any sense is that they feel like their own personal views are being challenged and threatened. So it's a natural human instinct to, to get defensive of what you value. I think that if, if we were more, more open to dialogue, it would help people be a lot more understanding of people's differences and their different opinions. But sometimes people are so passionate about their views that they feel like they need to push them down someone's throat. And yeah. it really just has an adverse effect I always tell, like, like uh, obviously in the States, and I don't know how much time you spent in the States versus overseas, but our political system is completely polarizing right now. And and I always tell people, it's like, if you're a, a Catholic and one person's a Muslim, that Muslim's not going to convert that Catholic to, by, by forcing them to become, you know what I mean, by becoming Muslim, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, I, I just think our, our parties are trying to force their views down their throats of the other party. And if, if that wouldn't work against you, why would it work for you? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a problem with a lot of, a lot of opinions at the moment. Yeah. People are, yeah. I think polarizing is a great, is a great way to sort of put the, I mean, it's been quite a bit of time in the U S over the last few years. My partner okay. is from the U S. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's a polarizing is a great way to describe the current climate without getting too much into you know, yeah, politics yeah. and things like that. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, I feel like that's a, a lot of the conversations are strongly focused on one side or the other, and it's it's just butting heads, really. 
Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, since you've traveled so much overseas, what do you what do you see as the perspective, the, the views on, on, on the United States and what's going on here? I think that um, I think it's it's a little I guess like being in California based there is a bit of a bubble here especially in San Francisco yeah. it's a very liberal <laughs> place and yeah. that and that's complementary to to my own personal values as well sure so but in, yeah so in that sense it's a little hard for me to comment because I'm not as familiar with with the other side or at least experiencing it firsthand a lot of my friends my partner family all that all have the same the same views. So I guess in that sense, it doesn't really come across as, as much of a conflict. It's also, I mean, although I've made it my part-time home for the last, home for the last few years, it's also not my country either. Yeah. Um, well, no, so, I'm just curious. Like if you, go to, if, if you go to Mexico or you go to some of the other countries you've been to in the last couple of years, if they even say anything, or is it just... Oh, you're talking about in, in regards to the U.S.? Yeah, yeah. Um. Not so much. It was we we've had to, we had a few interesting experiences back in 2016 when we were in the UK at the time of the US election, which we was doing which Brexit was interesting. There too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we were actually we were actually in London um, at the time of the election, so there was a bit of a there was a bit of a buzz around that. Obviously, US politics is being being a world superpower. A lot of people have a, an interest or at least a vested interest in, in what's happening in the US. And I know certainly in Australia, being an ally of the US and being a trade partner and, and all of that, it's something that has an impact on our country economically sure. and That's politically I mean, yeah. um, and things like that. So there is, there is I guess, always an, an interest in, in what's happening in the US politics and how it's going to affect your own country. So that was, yeah, that was interesting being there for the election in the UK was when people were very interested in, in getting Christine's opinion on the recent election results, <laughs> um, <laughs> so they were very, they were very interested in knowing what she thought about the about the new president. So, yeah, and that, and everybody had some interesting things to say. So, yeah. yeah. Well, no, I mean, you know, it, it hurt my business, um, my business in California, because most most of my, I'd say, sixty percent of my stores are, are Latino based. And so yeah. when Trump became president, the the word in the Latin world was that Trump was going to deport everybody. Yeah. So everybody literally stopped spending money waiting for their deportation orders, oh, well, even though they had green cards or visas. They just they yeah. got scared. And I always tell people, I go, look, if you watch, this, if you watch the Halloween movie or Friday the 13th, you know it's fake. No one yeah. died in that movie. No one got stabbed. No one, no one bled. But you still got scared. Yeah. And I go, it's the same way. I go, he, he, never, he never said he was going to deport everybody, but yet everyone got scared. So when they got scared, they stopped spending money. Mm, yeah, and they were, they, were, they were actually sending it back home or saving it up. So yeah. my, my sales in 2016 went down drastically, oh, wow. or at 2017, really. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. And you would think it would go up in, in the Western Western clothing industry because we are – we tend to be very uh, conservative based people, but not, not in California. Hmm. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was, people were like, why are your sales down? I'm like, Hey, why'd you vote for Trump? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know? we'll see how it goes over the next year then 2020. 
I, I honestly, I think he's going to get reelected. If he's not impeached beforehand, it won't matter. <laughs> the Senate's not going to impeach him. Yeah. So yeah, just like just know. like Clinton, Clinton was impeached by the House, but then it didn't go through the Senate, so he stayed in office. And yeah, I'm, dem- not, I'm not too familiar with the process. Well, the House is going to impeach him because they're democratically controlled. They 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 could have impeached him two years ago for just because they don't like him. But when it goes into the Senate, which is Republican controlled, they won't go through. They won't get the votes, and therefore he won't be removed from office, just like Clinton wasn't. So that's that's the only thing I don't understand why everyone's so excited about the impeachment trials. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, it's not going to get through the Senate just like it didn't do for Clinton. So you're just wasting time, basically. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I try and follow follow a little bit as much as I can, but. Yeah. Well, <laughs> unfortunate for me, I drive a lot for my work because I'm, I'm you know, well, for one, I'm based in California. So just saying that you, you drive a lot. And then uh, so I listen to a lot of news. And I try and listen to conservative and and uh, liberal stations to see that's the only way I, I can find something in between, because if you only listen to one, you're definitely not getting both sides of the story. Yeah, I think it's difficult to get a, a bit of a. A neutral stance. Well, yeah, because I they're... think in general, I think just in in terms of even outside of politics, but just in terms of any any sort in of general. issues, people sure people are very biased towards their own personal opinions and trying to stand out in in today's sort of news or politics or even just even just when it comes to content, you know, people are people are trying to stand out in a different well, way, you... and so you. You've got to be you got to be outrageous. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. You know, the, the more outrageous people, it goes viral, and all of a sudden you have a, a one video that gets you know eight million views. You know, but you got known for something that you don't necessarily want to be known for. I yeah, mean, I think in I think in the content creation space, the the amount of people people see these people who go viral and and don't really understand how much of a small percentage that they are in the grand scheme of things and you're looking at Instagram and you know with 2 billion yeah. users and things like that and you know you're looking at a 0.0001% of people who can blow up overnight uh, unless you're Jennifer Aniston and you get 16 million Instagram followers in your first day or whatever <laughs> you know yeah. but like you know the majority of people are really going to struggle to to find that voice and I know it's an interest. It's a really interesting space, and I think it's going to be an interesting space to watch over the next couple of years. The way that social media plays a role in people's life, and and there's already studies coming out about the impact that it's having on on teens now, and and things like that that are quite quite alarming. And so it's going to be an interesting space to watch and see how the these companies evolve to try and I don't know focus on some of the issues that are coming out of it. I kind of look at you know I. I... Let me think back in the early '80s is when arcades were really popping, you know. So you went to an arcade room to go play video games. Yep. And that's that's where I'd ask my dad for a quarter, and he, you know, hey, can I get some money? He'd throw me a quarter, and I'd be like, really? He'd be like, go give it back. I'm like, oh, never mind. Yeah. So I'll be happy with the quarter you gave me. But you know, so I remember the parents back then saying, oh, the kids are wasting their time. Blah blah blah. blah you know. And then became the Sega and the, and the, the Genesis, the, the Genesis computer games, 
And then they were saying, oh, kids are wasting their time with that. But now it's, it's, it's an entire industry. Now they're esports people or, or the esports, you know, the, the, uh, the video game people are now on ESPN. Oh, it's crazy. You've got kids who are 16 making $3 million yeah. and, and million-dollar sponsorship deals with, you know, like professional athletes. It's an interesting – it's been an interesting transition over the last couple of years. It's, it's pretty crazy to see how much I, it's blown up. I don't really follow video games that often, but... Uh, See, I don't either now. But it, I saw it, I was watching ESPN, I was going through one of the channels, I'm like, hold on, they're playing video games. <laughs> What's going on? And it was China against, I think, Brazil or something. You know, and it's they got the headphones on and they're sitting in the chairs and they're, they're shooting everybody and, and all the violence. And I'm like, God, 30 years ago, you would have been told you're wasting your life and now they're millionaires. Yeah. Well, okay. I was, like video video games is just another just another form of content and entertainment. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like when you cre- you're creating something, everything is content in a sense. Yeah. And that provides value to somebody. So if you're a comedian, you're providing content, you're, com- you, you know, comedic content. If you're, a, if you're sports, you're providing entertainment. So like everything is, everything comes back to that idea of like, if it's somebody else's enjoyment, they're consuming a content on some form of level. So now and, it's yeah. video games. <laughs> that's the thing. Well, even travel. I'll give you an example. My my, my next door neighbor who just moved out, um, he was 19, never had a job, and he was a social media influencer. He was a, a makeup tutorial guy, hmm. and so uh, his boyfriend would would record it, and you know, just like you know, like if I watch your your video on, let's see, I got I got them pulled up here. If I watch your, let's see, what was it, uh, Lake Tahoe road trip in, in Nevada, mm-hmm. that was what four or five days you said? Uh, yeah, yeah. Then it's seven minutes of film. You know. Yeah. Edited down. So his his these one minute videos that my neighbor was making for makeup tutorials it was a one minute video. It, it took him nine to twelve hours to record yeah. it and then wow. edit and all that. But he would get paid two 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 thousand dollars for that one minute video by the makeup yeah. company. Yeah, I mean it's you know if you're in direct if you're in a direct partnership with the brand that you're promoting, or whether you're creating revenue off your YouTube views or through affiliate links inside the the bot, like the description yep. of the, the video, like there's a ton of options to do it. It's just a it's a different form of marketing. So here's a kid with you know three hundred fifty thousand followers on Instagram. YouTube page had got his own product named in Sephora, one of the big big uh, retail companies. Um, he's 20, 19, 20 years old. Never had a yeah. job. Not even looking for a job. Well, that and, is his job. Yeah, but I mean that's, I that's the that to, that's the difference. You know, like that's that in the past. You know, five years ago, before people understood the process, it wouldn't have been considered a job. But I mean, that that is his job. It's kind of no different than than being. You know, it's, he's he's just changed the game, and the, and the current like evolution has just changed the way we promote things. So as opposed to him in the past being perhaps a print model for a magazine, for a makeup company, or something like right. that, or right. being being a part of a television ad promoting it. Now he's down to take the power. He's down to harness the power of the internet and the tools that he's been given to create his own business. So he's got a job. It's just it's just got a it's just a different perspective on it. I have, uh... I was talking to some people that I work with back in Denver and they're about my age, late forties, early fifties. And 
my my daughters are now 24 to 25 and they're, they're working and they got jobs and they're out of the house. But some of my friends still have their kids at home. And uh, I was talking to the one girl, one lady I work with, and she said, oh, my, my, my daughter wants to be a social uh, influencer. And I'm like, heck no, you got to go to college and get a job. But I go, how much do you think they make? And she's like, I don't know, what, 100 grand? I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. So I just pulled up, I think it was um, Luke Paul or one of the, the Paul kids. Oh, Luke, Logan Paul. Well, yeah. yeah. I just typed in his name in Google and said net worth, and it was like $3.5 million or some crazy number. Yeah. And she's but like, those, what? Those people are anomaly, though. Like, I mean, he's done he's done very well for himself over the years. But the people, there's, there's a harsh reality for people who are getting into this game, especially now, trying to stand out, is that, Chances, and then this is not to dissuade anybody listening to it, but they're, the they're not going to get dissuaded anyways. <laughs> yeah, the chances are is that you know you you've got to do something different. You know, it's the Logan Pauls and the and the people like yeah. that. They they come from back when the the playing field was a little bit more open, and now every person has one. I kind of look at you know it, like I always tell people when when they ask me about my podcast, I go. You know, Joe Rogan is a multimillionaire because of his podcast, but he's been doing it for ten years, and he yeah. was one of the he was in the in the probably the second generation. But you know, and and he had a name before being a TV host and UFC host and all that, so he already had a built-in following. Yeah, that definitely. I mean, apart from his podcast being very good, yeah, uh, he's also. He's also a media personality and has been. I mean, I think next year is his 20th year commentating the UFC, Fear yeah. Factor, you know, everything else that he was involved in. He's been very prolific, you know, in the, in the comedy scene as well for a long time. And yeah. and so that def- obviously helps. And, and you can see, I'm sure you've noticed that as well, even in the the last year, the amount of people who are starting to, to start podcasts, celebrities and, and other people oh, like yeah. that. It's, it's such a growing platform, but still is, is relatively... It's still relatively new in regards to, you know, if you compare it to the amount of people who have Instagrams or the amount of people who have a YouTube channel or websites. Not even close. So it's, you know, podcasting is still a very new medium and has a lot of opportunity, which is partly why we've, we had a, we had a goal, I guess, towards the end of last year. So we took a little while to get started because we had a lot of other projects on, but one of the reasons why we were so eager to get into it is because we saw the opportunity to transition into a new form of media and, and, and I guess try something else out because Instagram is becoming harder and harder to yeah. stand out. Essentially is probably the easiest way to say it. Um, but yeah, so we started our podcast with the goal of trying to create a new brand within sort of everything that we do. And we finally launched it about four weeks ago and it's, it's been oh, good. That's awesome. Yeah. We're looking forward to it. It's, it's, uh, it's been fun. They're, they're, they seem like the episodes are about an hour long, roughly. Yeah, the first episode was 45. We sort of yeah. thought that that's where, where we'd be at. And the last couple of have kind of crept up to about an hour. We've got a sweet spot is probably around about 50, 55 minutes. We're still working out the format. We've only, we just released our sixth episode on Monday. So we, we released a couple to start off with and we're, we're doing them every Monday. It's called Not So Bon Voyage. It's about, the idea came about that we wanted to cover, tra- cover travel stories that weren't just about all the good things that happened, but we wanted to sort of look at some of the funnier, more crazy, outrageous misadventures that happened around the world. So yeah, not throwing coins into an engine, airplane. Yeah, engine. yeah, 
Not yeah. so funny. <laughs> yeah, so we so we do a we do a segment at the start called what's in the, things that are happening in the news, and then we we generally like to tell each other a story. The format we've done is that we have I I research a story and Christine researches a story. We tell each other the story on the podcast live for the first time, so all of our reactions and our, our back and forth commentary is all is all fresh and unscripted, which is which is nice. I think it's a refreshing format for people to follow. And yeah, we've had some pretty funny ones. The one we just had on yeah. one, uh, that just released was about some some pretty crazy stories about these uh, father and son hikers who got lost in Alaska for five days and how they eventually got out of it. And another hiker who was broke his leg in Australia while hiking, and and how a three hour hike took him to two days and what happens if you open the emergency door during a flight and <laughs> all, all kinds of crazy stories like that. So we, we do some research into the, into some of the more, into some of the famous stories and also some of the more unknown stories and cover those. But yeah, it's been, uh, it's been fun. We've had a lot of good responses and podcast numbers are, are slowly growing. We're reaching more people around the world. We just kicked over our 21st country. Uh Rico. So shout out to those guys. Who are you with? Oh, just uh, I just a shout out to Puerto Rico, the twenty first country that. Changed. I got you. Uh, yeah, I just well, got Jamaica territory. Uh, last night. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, but I I think that's the amazing part for me. It, you know, the the podcast isn't my job. You know, it's something I enjoy. It's growing, and I don't know exactly where it's going to end up because it's going, it's mm-hmm. doing pretty well. But you know. I can't imagine going back, you know, like I said, I'm older, I'm 52. So I remember days without cell phones. So if you would have told me 30 years ago, Hey Pete, you're going to record a show on your cell phone, which is the remote phone. And it's, you can put it onto your computer and it's going to go out to the world and you're going to be listened to in 50 plus countries. I would have told you you're crazy. Yeah. It's just I mean, the opportunity. It's fantastic. Crazy. Yeah. So even if I, nothing comes of it, you know, the people I've met, the people I've, I've networked with, the people I've talked to, you know, never in a million years, million years would I have ever would have thought I talked to like you. I mean, you're literally traveling around the world helping, helping the environment and I get to talk to you. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. We, we haven't, we started the idea of our podcast about not having guests because we wanted to build the brand around us. Yeah. But, you know, we'd really love, we definitely are going to plan to, maybe it's the odd sort of special episode trying to reach out to people and, and talk to them personally, because yeah, what a great, what a great tool to be able to speak to. I mean, you've had some amazing guests on your show and what a, what a fun opportunity it is to connect with these people. And it's just, yeah, it's incredible. And it's just, you know, like you said, it's another, you know, some people need it. I was always told some people want to hear it. Some people need to see it. Some people need to listen to it. And some people need to do it. So, you know, as far as your content, you know, not everyone's on YouTube. So, you know, if you, you, your videos are very well produced. Oh, thank you, know, you. Very well produced. And that takes skill and that takes time and energy and effort. But not everyone goes on YouTube. So how do you reach the person that's not on YouTube? Maybe you, you write a book. You've you got to keep going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then, so you do a podcast. And then, you know, some people are taking their podcast and, and transcribing it and turning it into books. Yeah, well, we've done, I tell you, over the last six years, we've pretty much done it all. We've, we wrote a book. We wrote a, a Cuba travel guide a few years ago that sold really well across Amazon on digital and, and hard copy. We, were, we did a pilot for a TV show for the Travel Channel. Unfortunately, it didn't get picked up, but it was, it was good fun. 
Yeah, I've got YouTube. We do photography. We've got the written blog. We've got. We're now on podcast. So it's all. You got it all, going. It's all happening. Yeah. That's that's awesome though, and, and you're getting married in a few days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, leaving for Mexico next week, and then and then getting married early November down in Salita. Got a lot of friends and family coming from Australia and from the US, so it's it's going to be an exciting week. We're down in Mexico for a month, so that'll be fun. We'll I've got some some plans to do a little bit of travel there and maybe record a couple of episodes of the podcast down there and do some do some filming and things like that while we're down there, but. Other than that, just enjoying enjoying the process and enjoying enjoying the wedding week. What is uh, what's your next location outside of after Mexico? Do you have one? How do you how do you get that set up? Uh, well, it's it's really it's a combination of things. It's it's what we what we feel like doing because uh, obviously because we work online, we can take our, our work anywhere. Yeah. Uh, being in the U.S. does lend itself to a lot more opportunities just because most of our audience is based in the U.S. And there's a lot more opportunity for us to make more money yeah. in the U.S. working with local clients or partners. So we we do we do a lot of partnerships with with brands and with companies for content creation and promotion. So whether it's working with so for instance the the video the video for the Lake Tahoe that we did we actually made a series of videos that was in cool. partnership with Tra- Travel Nevada. So we worked with them. We've worked with Visit California. We've worked with a few tourism boards local and and countrywide. And then brands as well. So, and, and so Trover, right? Yeah, Trover. Trover's been a great partner. They've been a year, a year-long partner with us this year. So they're a, they're a really great photo sharing app that focuses on a travel. They have a lot of great experience, like different features such as a more uh, specific GPS sort of geolocation. They right. also have lists and a lot of other great features. So they've been a really good partner this year. And so that that sort of stuff is a lot more accessible, I guess, being in the US as opposed to when we're living in Bali. So it's all it's all a bit of a, a sort of a mixture on that. Towards the okay. end of the year, we like to be in the US because it's all generally... The holidays. Yeah, the holidays. And also, Yeah, and qu- the fourth quarter is usually when brands have a bit more flexibility with their budgets. The first quarter is usually a bit quieter as people are starting off the year and being a bit more budget conscious. So that's usually a good time for us to go to the other side of the world and, and hang out in Bali for three to four months, <laughs> which we don't mind, which we're not complaining about too much. Yeah. So, and then just other things. I mean, one of the, one of the things that we love about our work is that it, it's so sporadic and it's so unpredictable. And I think that both Christine and I being the sort of perpetual travelers and the restless people that we are, we really love that is that although, although at the moment we're really busy with work, but although we can have some, <laughs> some quiet patches we we can have some quiet patches we can just one morning wake up and and open our email and then suddenly somebody's invited us to go to japan for two weeks on a work yeah. trip and it's like oh cool <laughs> yeah that's so, that. yeah so that's that's what it keeps it interesting so we've got a couple of places in the works that we're that we're thinking about for next year but yeah i don't know we're we've we've also after being travelers for the last 10 years even way before we started our our travel blog sure. we were traveling and, and doing stuff but after being travelers for the last 10 years, we have been enjoying a little bit more of a, a stationary base. So in the past, we were jumping around from country to country, you know, week to week, two weeks to weeks. Um, now we've got more of a base. We use Bali as a base for a few months out of the year. We use San Francisco or around the Bay Area, sometimes Australia. So, yeah, we do a little bit of 
Yeah, I was well, setting yourself up. Be, being in the city or around the city, you could you could I mean you could obviously do do some redwood stuff. You came down to, to Cardiff, you know. So you hit the San Diego area, you went to, did your shooting up in Reno and, and Tahoe, which I appreciate because I lived in Lake Tahoe. I lived in Stateline for a while. Uh, it's a beautiful spot, yeah. And then uh, and I actually moved over to Alameda, and then I worked in the city. Okay. Before my daughters were born, so. But I was an outside sales rep up there, so I used to travel all around the Bay Area, all the way from Sacramento to Fresno, Visalia. Well, California is a uh, it's a big it's a big state. Takes a long time to get around. Yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be in San Luis Obispo tomorrow. Oh, nice! That's a nice day trip of two hundred sixty mile drive. You know. Oof. So, fun, but you know, <laughs> it could be worse. It could be in Nebraska, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're in California, which is a pretty good spot to be. That's why all the other, all my other buddy reps, they're like, I go, what? They're like, what are you doing right now? I go, well, right now I'm driving along the ocean, looking at it as I'm driving home. Like, right? I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, I hate you. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, that's kind of like with your 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 job. I mean, I'm sure you get a lot of enviness envy from people, your friends. Oh, you're going to go hang yeah. out in Bali for a few months. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, now we're, now we're just telling them to stop complaining and to come and visit us. So yeah, exactly. uh, that's, that's been good over the last couple of years. We've had some good, we've had some good friends come and visit us in Bali while we've been there, uh, come over for two weeks. So that was nice. Last year, last year we had a friend come out for a couple of weeks and this year we had a couple of friends come out, which was nice. And yeah, it's all it's all good fun, well, but that'd be that'd be interesting to do a podcast episode with with people experiencing Bali for the first time. Yeah, you know, it, it would as, be as someone that's been there several times. Yeah, absolutely. Well, especially with, with our podcast being about people's not so bon voyages, yeah. usually people who are less experienced traveling or at least traveling to a place for the first time, they usually always find themselves in the best stories because <laughs> they're the ones who usually get either ripped off or lost or <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> things like that. So yeah, that, 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 you know, that's literally how I started the podcast. I, I was giving advice to some of the younger reps and they would just call me cause you know, we're always driving hours and hours and they'd call me and they'd be like, Hey, you got time to talk to me? Yeah. I go, he goes, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm trying to schedule uh, my, my trip. And so they would just ask me for advice of, you know, how to book flights, how, how much in advance you need to book, book rooms and, you know, different travel plans and all that stuff. And the guy goes, you should start a, a podcast. I'm like, what? What would I talk about? I'm like, it's like business travel. I'm like, nah. Yeah. Well, here I am. Yeah. So, nice. You know, it, it's great. I, I appreciate all the time that you gave me. And what, what's the best way for people to follow up with you guys? Yeah, well, if so, we've got a couple of different things going on. So our main, yeah. so our main travel website that we talked about today is called don'tforgettomove.com, and then all of our social handles are don't forget the number two move. Uh, so Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everything, YouTube, and then the podcast that we just launched in the last month is called Not So Bon Voyage, and then that's also that's Not So Bon Voyage at dot com, and all our social handles are at Not So Bon Voyage and. Yeah, listen to the podcast if you if you're looking for some crazy stories and some bit of fun. It's a it's been good, and it, it's actually very uh, at least the way I look at it, it's, it's encouraging. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you guys are. Could you imagine having a stay home office job? Like what's going that, sorry? going? Could you could you imagine having an office job? 
that you oh, had to go no, to no. every day. Not now. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> no, I don't think I could ever I don't think I can ever go back to working for somebody, unfortunately. Yeah. I think we're I think this is this is it for us. So yeah, we'll just uh keep keep sort of evolving and yeah, we're always we're always Well it's inspiring to others, I mean. Yeah, I mean it sh- I mean it should be. Like we've and, and I don't mean that to toot our own no. home, but like we've we've been inspired <laughs> by a lot of people along the way. Exactly. And, you know, we've also we've also helped a lot of people along the way as well. And, you know, this year this year alone, one of I mean, like I said, I told you we have the shiny object syndrome. Uh, <laughs> one of the one one of the things I started this year was actually doing some uh, small business coaching uh, for people, so online business coaching. So I work with half a dozen clients when we're in Bali, helping people either get their online business started, or helping them sort of move from small to medium. So trying to help them with anything from online marketing through social media, through through course development, just through basically just through helping them build and structure their business and work on their business ideas and yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. So you know, being a former teacher myself, I always like to sort of help people in the system. And Christine was the same, right? She was an ex teacher. Uh, she she worked not not in a not as a teacher. She did work in some nonprofits. Um, but she also herself has been doing was doing some online coaching and, and things like that as well for people. Okay. So yeah, we're kind of always always staying in the mix and trying to help, I guess, inspire people whether it's through travel or through getting location independence or financial freedom where they can do something like what we're doing. So yeah, I mean anybody who's listening can can reach out to us. I might have to hit you up for that somehow. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That, that that is quite a, I mean, kind of broken off, but that is a, a it's a a big reach to go from hey I'm just talking to some people because that's literally what I thought I thought I'd just have this podcast I talk to the people I, I've known for years and all of a sudden it's it's grown and yeah, I mean, now people are like what are you gonna do with it I'm like I don't know because you don't know well, I don't. yeah I mean. I guess that's like something you you should think about because you you know you, you're getting good guests you're getting good conversations and there's a lot of opportunity out there to to grow it into something where it could become your full time business and you can travel when you want to travel and I guess that's what makes you what what brings you joy and what gives what you feel passionate about and some people some people enjoy going to work and you know we have friends like that we have friends that enjoy working oh sure for a company and you know it's so it's whatever really that you enjoy, but if you don't like your job and you want to do something else now, there's probably never been a better time in history and ever to, to make something of yourself because the internet and online work has just given people so many opportunities and so many tools to be their own boss. And whether it's, you know, whether it was the mummy bloggers who started 10 years ago because they were, you know, stay at home mums and they decided Hey, I'm going to do something, and they kicked ass, <laughs> yeah. and they started crushing it with mum blogs. And you know, whether it was that, or whether it was you know the person who got involved with affiliate marketing, or or anything, social media management, and just anybody who was able to create something out of nothing, uh, it's been it's given people a lot of opportunity. So, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've had a few eye-opening moments with this. My next door neighbor who as an you know seeing a 19 year old kid move into you know uh, I live in Redondo Beach it's not a it's not the most expensive area but it's not cheap mm-hmm. see a 19 year old kid that doesn't have a job live in the same circumstances as me 
because he's putting makeup on himself and, and selling his tutorials I was like, hold on a sec. You know, as someone that grew up being told, get a job, work hard, and everything's going to work out, to seeing a kid that's staying at home, putting makeup on himself, making as much money as I am, like, what? <laughs> it and must then, be... It must be a hard transition for people. I mean, you like you're in this. At least you're in the space where you know you're doing the podcast and you know you're meeting a lot of different people. But for a lot of people, in perhaps older people in a different sort of generation, it is hard yeah. for them to to understand. Like, you know, for me, like that just seems like a natural thing. And I and I see like that is his job. You know what yeah, I mean? exactly. But it's just it's just harder to and and that we had the same we had the same thing like people even still these days don't really understand what it means it is getting easier we do get less questions than we did say two years ago but people do because people sort of understand like oh okay you're on instagram you've got a lot of followers okay you must just be able to make money they don't really understand it but they just understand that it's a thing whereas say even two years ago people didn't even understand how it was a thing they're like i don't understand like what do you how do you make money (laughs) But this is before the term influencer was around. There's two things that, you know, to, my, my cousin who, my cousin's wife uh, runs a website with uh, recipes. Yep. And I'm like, uh, and she started this like three years ago. And I'm like, ah, that's kind of cool. You know, it's a little hobby and she can put out some recipes. I'm talking to her earlier in the year and she told me how much she's making. I was like, What? <laughs> What yeah. are you talking about? Oh, people always got to eat. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! But you know, I mean, how many recipe websites are there in the world? Oh, probably thousands, tens of thousands. So you know, like how you said, you know, you feel like, like everyone's like, oh, do you feel like you missed the boat on podcasting? I'm like, no. You know, did did my cousin miss the boat on recipe website? Well, maybe she'd make more, but she's making as much as a school teacher now. Yeah. You know. And I'm like, oh, whoa, hold on a sec. So it, it, I, I tell people all the time, my phone doesn't know how old I am. Yeah. It doesn't know if I'm 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, or 80. So if I put out good content, you know, whether it's my website, whether it's my YouTube page and all that, it is what it is. And if people go to it, then they go to it. If they don't, then I'm not doing a good job. But it doesn't matter if I'm 40, 30, 10, you know. No, I mean, well, everybody has an audience that they can sell to as well. That's the thing. Yeah. It's just finding. And then we've generally found that our audiences usually stay within our age range, but that's because content and and things that you enjoy are usually generational as well. So, yeah. you know, we're, we don't pretend that we're 22. <laughs> we, don't, we don't create content that probably 22-year-olds are enjoying at the moment. Hence, most of our followers and most of our subscribers and, and everything like that, and our readers on our blog are usually have grown with us as we've grown. So when we first started the blog six years ago, um, our demographic has shifted as we've got older. Ah, that's interesting. So, you know, that's you generally kind of create the content that suits your current time of life. So, you know, everybody's got an audience. I mean, you can, you can be a... 21-year-old solo backpacker or you can be a 35-year-old married backpacking, you know, traveling couple or you can be the 60-year-old retired couple who are traveling. Like, everybody's got an audience and if anything, the more you niche down to to fit your direct audience, the more you're going to you're going to stand out amongst the 
huge masses of travel blogs out there. Like the more you niche down to a specific audience, the more you're going to re resonate with those people. And that's everything. That's not just a website, that's social media, that's, that's every bit of content that you create. The more you niche down and try to address a direct need from a particular audience and demographic, the more you're going to connect and resonate and engage them. Well, this is a little online course for free for, for all my <laughs> listeners. Yeah. <laughs> if you want yeah. more, make sure to reach out to, to Jules. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> that, was some, that was some good good uh, nuggets of wisdom right there, my friend. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, wow. Okay. So I'll, I'll make sure to put all, all the contacts and links on, on my on my social media and on the website. So if anyone wants to, to get more from you, they'll just have to yeah, click a button. Yeah, sounds good. Yep. So. Fantastic. Super appreciate the time. No uh, hey, appreciate you taking the time to have a chat with me. Congratulations and best wishes on the future for you. Thanks, mate. Take it All easy. All right, buddy. Thanks, Jules.